0: about our role in resistance, about what it means to show up in liberation. What wisdom is there for white Christians in these troubled, violent times of rising authoritarianism and racial capitalism? And what resources, what spiritual resources can we find for our resistance? I'm Brigida Vieira. I use she, her pronouns and I am a candidate for ordained ministry in the Unitarian Universalist faith tradition. And I'm also a member of the Surge Faith Organizing Team. Today, I currently live in a place known as Phoenix, Arizona, which is in the homelands of the Pima people, who have stewarded the land in the Valley of the Sun for many generations. This podcast is a project of Surge Faith, and it is particularly designed for white Christians. White Christians turning towards other white Christians to talk about race and white supremacy. We believe white Christians have a big responsibility in uprooting and resisting white supremacy, wherever we may find it. And we also believe we have a responsibility to tell a new story, a new story about Christianity for white Christian folks because our lives, every single one of them, depends on it. And we do this work remembering that we are building up a new world. This live recording of Dr. Vincent Harding's song for the Freedom Movement is of a multiracial movement choir practice in Denver, Colorado from December 2014, led by the magnificent Minister Darrell J. Walker. And we are so deeply grateful to the Freeney Hardy family for letting us use this psalm for the podcast. The word is resistance. dear ones. This summer and fall, our podcast crew has ambitiously taken on the challenge of wrestling with Romans. Together, we've challenged ourselves to reorient ourselves to the letter of Paul to the Romans to discover how Paul might be a spiritual revolutionary, a person who is demolishing Roman imperial theology by helping Gentile Jewish followers resist participating in empire. Romans has been enormously influential in developing Christian identity. And collectively Christians have inherited a life limiting narrative, a narrative that the right often manipulates for power. This narrative argues that Paul is this great evangelist who quote, converted to Christianity. And the traditional narrative tends to read Romans as Paul's argument for how Judaism is, quote, inferior to Christianity. But instead of tossing Paul out for the ways in which he has been misunderstood and misinterpreted, we've decided to challenge ourselves in practicing transformative justice. Transformative justice, which boldly claims that no one is disposable not even Paul. The previous episodes in this wrestling with Roman series have some important grounding and I'll briefly recap them here. Paul did not convert to Christianity. He is Jewish and will be interpreted within a Jewish communal way of life. Paul is also not defending Christianity, nor is he a defender for the Roman Empire. Paul's letter to the Romans is anti-imperial and Paul is preaching a message of defiance to the very people, the Romans themselves, who have systematic power in the community. In the letter to the Romans, Paul reminds Romans in the community that there is another way. There is another way that is part of a generations-old resistance movement, another way of building a new world. A world where faith in God, not the Roman Empire, leads to practices of mutuality and collective care. A world where we all are free. So, with this foundation under us, today's Wrestling with Romans invites us to ask this question. How might recovering Paul, as a spiritual revolutionary, actually help white Christians work towards collective liberation. This week's lectionary gives us Romans 8, 1 through 11 to wrestle with. So let's rumble. episode 7 on the word is resistance podcast romans and the wages of whiteness reverend ann dunlap substitutes the word sin with white supremacy to help white christians contextualize and find themselves more appropriately in the story so as we start to wrestle with today's text i invite you to take a moment tune into your body Wherever and however you are listening to this podcast, notice the way that your rib cage expands as you inhale and feel the air leave your nostrils on the exhale. Take another deep breath in and back out. And as I read Romans 8 1 through 11, I invite you to pay attention to the ways that white supremacy, as a form of fleshy sin, might be giving us a resistance lesson from Paul. Here we go. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and to deal with sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, so that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not according to the flesh, For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ Does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit of life because of righteousness, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies, as through his spirit that dwells in you. Romans, Paul is writing to those in the community who have power, to Roman members of the community who are also Christ-following Gentiles. Gentiles who are trying to understand how to live as full members of the Jewish community, a community which was a minority in Rome, without becoming Jewish. In his letter, Paul is asking the Gentiles to take postures of respectful humility living life according to the Spirit, instead of postures of lofty resentfulness, which can happen when our minds are set on the flesh. For white Christians living in the context of U.S. Empire, we are the Romans. White power is upheld by state violence and cultural reinforcement. In Romans 8, 1-11, Paul is engaging in the very risky business, of critiquing imperialist pressures. Imperialist pressures that uphold various forms of supremacy, this idea that one group is elevated or better above one another. And Paul goes even further, offering an alternative system, one inspired by spirit, to reimagine oneself towards freedom. When I read Romans 8, 1-11, I wonder about how my own flesh, the color of my pale skin, has tricked my mind into the life-swallowing falsehood of white body supremacy. Paul tells us to set the mind on the flesh is death. So how did my fleshy body become white? And how can I escape its trap of death? Let us unpeel the ways in which my flesh has become categorized as being white. Race is a modern colonial invention. In the United States, racial categories of whiteness and blackness were invented in the 17th century. In written materials, descriptions of racialized bodies, words like white person, white man, white woman, did not appear until the 1680s. Before this time, white and black immigrants worked together under the same oppressive system in plantations. And organizers, seeing the exploitive, exploitative and oppressive conditions, organizers corralled them, corralled immigrants and migrants of all fleshy skin tones to rise up and rebel against the aristocratic elites. And after some successful rebellions, The land-owning gentry, they got very afraid because they realized that if enslaved black people and poor white indentured servants united, the power and wealth of the ruling class would be threatened. So to quell any rebellion, laws were passed. Laws to separate black bodies from white bodies and break all social ties. Laws were passed that allowed white indentured servants to punish enslaved Black people. Laws were passed to prevent marriage and later social gatherings between the two groups. And in a short amount of time, the divide shifted from workers versus landowners to white folks versus Black folks. And even even though white indentured servants remained very poor, and were closer in economic status to enslaved black folks, the invention of race as a product of classism and as a means of control was so powerful. Powerful enough for white communities across all class lines to believe that they had a claim to power based on their white fleshy body superiority. This false belief in whiteness became very real when minds erected complex legal, social, economic, and psychological systems, systems that we still live with today, because the collective delusion of whiteness is well intact as a form of oppressive power. As a colonial invention, we've inherited a world where the white body has been constructed to be the quote standard or norm of where all other bodies, especially black bodies, are viewed as dehumanized and thought to be inferior. And while the concept of race is imaginary, entire beliefs, narratives, structures, and institutions have been created around it. As renowned therapist and activist Resma Medicum says, race is a myth, but a myth with teeth and claws. The definition of what flesh is considered white and the mind trickery that has been strategically materialized through so many laws has reinforced this oppressive falsehood over generations. And while the individual and collective minds that have determined which flesh is superior and which flesh is inferior have changed many times over the centuries, it's always been set on death. It's always been hostile to God. In today's paradigm, our minds have been twisted to wear imperial flesh. Imperial flesh that creates an anti-black world where whiteness dominates. Imperial flesh that creates minds and worlds that are also anti-woman and anti-trans. Imperial flesh that is ableist and ageist in its death-dealing ways. Paul is so clear to us, beloveds. Those who are in imperial flesh cannot please God. Cannot please God because when the mind is set on imperial flesh, we live in a world of whiteness. A world that uses possession, control, and mastery. Three death-dealing virtues, possession, control, and mastery, that theologian Dr. William James Jennings says is haunting our theological imaginations. We must break free from this haunting, from the phantom of race. And with this, we ask ourselves, what message of resistance might Paul have for us? What else is Paul getting at when he says, to set the mind on the flesh is death, But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Fleshy bodies are somatic sites for oppression, but they can also be somatic sites for liberation. What would it mean for me, as a person in white flesh, to walk not according to flesh, but according to the spirit? When I take seriously Paul's call to be set free from the collective sin of white body supremacy, which results in death. And is hostile to God's vision for a beloved kingdom, I can't help but notice that divesting from my own whiteness is just one necessary part of being on the path to collective liberation. Of course, daily actions to betray whiteness in my own fleshy body and in the wider world in which I live is important and necessary work. Deconstructing my own identity beyond and away from whiteness to be reminded that I am not imperial flesh is disruptive, sacred work. Paul goes further though because he reminds us that you are in the spirit since the spirit of God dwells in you. You are in the spirit since the spirit of God dwells in you transformative, healing, liberatory work happens when I not only set aside my whiteness, but also invite spirit in. Invite spirit in to help me reimagine my entire identity and the communities of which I am a part away from whiteness. Paul's call is not only to divest myself from using the modern technology of whiteness on my fleshy body, It's also a call to practice a spirituality of revolt. And the most exciting part for me, I don't have to do anything outside of me to find a more hearted, a more expansive, a more mysterious, a more beloved self beyond whiteness. Because it's inside me, right here and right now, Paul says, you are in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God dwells in you. Spirits of revolt know that liberation doesn't come from a God who is someplace else, for God is in us. And so we are called to directly engage in the passionate act of not waiting to be liberated, but instead taking an active position that we are responsible for creating the spiritual disposition needed for freedom in the self, freedom in our wider world, right here and right now. Freedom from our imperial flesh is available right here and right now. Paul's resistance lesson for us all today is clear. We must dismantle the oppressive structure of imperial flesh, a flesh that has been delusionally constructed as a system of whiteness. We must dismantle this both inside ourselves and in the greater world. But that's not all, beloveds. Paul's resistance lesson is also that we must dare to reimagine Dare to imagine what ourselves as individuals and as a collective community looks like beyond whiteness. The Spirit of God dwells within you. Are we going to trust spirit to help us become the spiritual revolutionaries needed for our time? I sure hope so. this week's call to action is to reflect critically and thoughtfully about how the phantom of race was conjured in your familial ancestral lines. When were your ancestors first declared to be white, and who determined this racial category? Where did this happen, and why, and how did becoming white change your ancestors' future, and how is this impacting you today? Get curious about where in your family tree the invention of whiteness, the adoption of imperial flesh began, so that we can learn to reimagine it. Beloveds, thank you as always for joining us and for wrestling with Romans. We'd love to hear from you, especially from folks of color and non-Christian folks by filling out the listener survey on our podcast page at surge.org and give us a like or rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to our podcast. You can find more about Surge at surge.org and our podcast lives on SoundCloud. All you need to do is search. The word is resistance and transcripts. Transcripts are available as well as our website which include references, resources, and action links. And don't worry, because we will be back next week with a resistance word from Reverend Ann Dunlap as we continue wrestling with Romans. And of course, a huge shout out and thank you to our sound editor, Claire Hitchens. As we close out today's Rumble, I invite you to soften into a blessing. In this sacred holy work of reimagining ourselves beyond and away from whiteness, may we cultivate and nourish a revolt spirituality. A revolt spirituality that embraces possibilities, dares to turn social conventions upside down, sides with love, and refuses to accept nothing less than freedom and nothing less than justice. May it be so. Until next time, I'm Brigitte Vieira.